Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. Um, we are here once again with a beautiful rainy Tuesday morning. Um, that's a repeat script here. Uh, I'm getting tired of the rain. I gotta be honest. Um, but it is a wonderful Tuesday. Um, we are happy to see you this morning. It's a privilege to be with you. Um, we are once again continuing our Bible study in John chapter three. Um, John taught John yesterday. John and John yesterday, and he taught from uh, verses um, sixteen all the way to basically twenty-one. And I'm not going to try and re-go over that material because he did a really good job. So. Um, if you'd like to see that, you can go back to yesterday's teaching, and you can learn about the most famous Bible verse in the world, John 3.16. Um, today, we're going to move away from the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, and we're going to move into another conversation with um, someone and a, a religious leader, a Pharisee. So it's a conversation with a man of God and a Pharisee, and then it's a conversation with a man of God and a bunch of Pharisees, so it's kind of like a similar back-to-back here, uh, starting basically in verse 22, and uh, we'll just say a quick prayer, and we're probably going to end up going to 31, so if you're following along in your Bible, we're in John 3, uh, verse 22, all the way to 31, so let's say a prayer, and we'll get started. Um, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word, I thank you that you pressed upon our brother John to read this word, uh, God, or to write this word. God, I pray that um, your voice would just come out this morning um, in this Bible study, and I pray that um, your Holy Spirit would be upon all of us to just receive from you this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you, uh, and we praise you. It's in your name. Amen. So, <clears throat> let's kind of figure out what we're looking at here. So, let's start here in verse 22, and then we'll start reading. So, it says, after these things, so after the conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus um, came and his disciples into this land of Judea, so the Jerusalem area, Jesus went there. Um, and they tarried there with them and baptized. So Jesus went there with them, who's them, we're about to find out. But his disciples were baptizing, and we know that Jesus actually didn't baptize because it says in um, chapter 4, verse 2, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. So Jesus went and his disciples were baptizing people in the river. So um, let's keep going. It says, And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salim, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. You need water to baptize, so John was baptizing in water. It says, For John was not yet cast into prison. So this is before the time that John is cast into prison at Herod's house. He has not gone through that yet, but that's about to come. Okay? And it says, Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond Jordan, to whom you bear witness, Jesus, behold, the same is baptized, and all men come to him. So we have a scenario um, that John actually bears witness of, our John, uh, in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 22 that Jesus and John are baptizing um, at the same time. Okay, so Jesus and John are both uh, at their respective places or areas. Uh, I'm assuming they're close to one another. And they're both baptizing uh, in these rivers, in these separate river uh, bodies. And John, uh, while he's baptizing, him, his disciples, and 
some Jews, uh, we assume that these were uh, lawmakers and Pharisees, are getting to this debate about ritual purification. Okay, we don't exactly know what exactly they were arguing over, but we knew that we know that they're in a debate, and so these Jews and his disciples are like arguing and stuff, and then they come unto John. So his disciples come unto him, or, or we don't know if his disciples, or maybe it's these Jews. We're not exactly sure, uh, but they say Rabbi, teacher. So I, I assume that these are his disciples, and so they come unto him, and they say to him, John. You remember that guy Jesus that you were talking about? You remember him? Well, you see, that guy Jesus, he, he, he's baptizing too, John. And, and you're John the Baptist, so that's kind of kind of weird. John, are we okay? Everything good? Okay, sorry. Um, it says, you know, he's like, hey, this guy Jesus is out baptizing. Uh, and John, you're John the Baptist. So basically what they're saying to, to John in like more modern, super young, you know, man speak is they're saying, hey, John. Jesus is moving in on your territory, bro. Like, Jesus is, like, stepping into your realm. Like, he's moved into your lane, basically, is what they're trying to tell John. They're like, hey, John, he's doing the thing that you're doing. Like, why why is he, like, doing that? Why is he following you up? Like, why is he kind of, like, I don't know if the word is stealing necessarily, but why is he infringing upon your ministry, right? And so this is a important part of the Bible here because it raises the question for John the Baptist and it raises the question for all Christians what are we going to do and how are we going to respond when there is another person that God has raised up to do the thing that we're doing basically and so the question can become how is John going to respond to Jesus coming onto the scene and overtaking his ministry like Jesus has come and he is going to supersede John in his ministry, John the Baptist in his ministry. So how is John going to respond to that is the question, right? So let's look at what John says. Because what, what John says is very important to us today as believers, right? So in verse 27, John gives a quick answer that will help us understand how to deal with others in ministry. <clears throat> verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Okay? So this first little part, at least for me, really spoke to me about how to, I don't know necessarily the word is cope with, but how to understand how we're supposed to respond when there's somebody else who has a ministry similar to ours or has a ministry that may even be more powerful, so to speak, than ours. John says, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. So, basically what John is saying is that if there's going to be somebody who's going to be in ministry, and it's going to be a real ministry, and it's going to be receiving, and it's going to be a powerful ministry, then it has to come from God. Okay? And so what John is saying about himself is basically like, look, this ministry that I'm doing doesn't belong to me. Right? Like what I'm doing out here in the wilderness, what I'm doing with this baptism thing, it doesn't belong to me. So how can I get jealous over something that doesn't belong to me, right? Like what John is saying is, is like the ministry that Jesus is doing, or somebody else, take Jesus out of it for a second, somebody else is doing, is God's ministry. Just like my ministry is God's ministry. So it's all the same ministry, right? 
It's all the same person really doing the ministry. It's God. So John's like, it's not me. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with this other X person. It's God. So what he's saying is there can't be strife between us because the same person is doing the ministry. I can't take ownership over this ministry. And neither can person X. Okay? And so for us as Christians, we have to understand that when we see somebody who may be infringing upon or encroaching upon our territory, bro, or our lane, bro, we've got to understand that the ministry that they're doing is, the same, is from the same call that we receive. And we should rejoice because when we do ministry, if we can remove our pride, then we can feel much better about somebody else doing ministry if we understand that it comes from God, right? Jesus said something similar in Luke chapter 9. He said in Luke chapter 9, verse 50, those disciples came to Jesus with a similar question, right? So I'll read uh, from 49. This is what John, the, uh, not the Baptist, but John uh, the Apostle said to Jesus. He said in Luke chapter 9, verse 49, And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name, and we forbade him, because he followed not us. So basically, John the Apostle is saying the same thing here. He's like, Jesus. Bro, this guy was infringing upon our territory, right? This guy was doing something, but he wasn't running with us. He wasn't running under our ministry. He had a separate ministry, and we were like, you can't do that because you're not with us, basically. And Jesus said in verse 50, he said, forbid him not, for he who is not against us is for us. Okay? So there needs to be in the church a unity of purpose. We need to have in the church as believers, a unity of purpose and understanding that all the ministry that we do as people is all for the glory of God. And if we can understand that everything that we're doing is for the glory of God and it's not about us, and we can separate ourselves from this me, me, me mentality, and we can rejoice when somebody else does ministry because people are going to get saved, right? Because that's the purpose. And God's going to get the glory either way. Right? Because no matter who ends up doing the ministry, ministry is being done. That's the exciting part. Okay? It's not about us doing the ministry that's exciting or should be exciting for us. It's about the fact that God is actively moving in the world. And that's what should bring us joy. Right? This is the same thing that drove Saul crazy. Okay? When he saw David getting the anointing. He saw God removing the anointing from Saul and giving it to David. If Saul had a correct heart before God, he would have said, God's anointing somebody. That's exciting. But Saul was prideful. He didn't understand where his anointing came from. Okay, so that's John's answer, at least to me, about this idea of ministry from person X to ministry person Y. You know, I take Jesus and John out of it to make it more real for us. Okay, but this next part here is very lengthy. And this next part... It's really more about John saying, now let's get personal about who we're talking about. Okay? I feel like this first part is more about really saying ministry is ministry. Okay? It's, it's God doing it. But this next part is going, John is going to really define for us why it's important, why Jesus is so important, and why it's important that he falls under the authority and the anointing of Jesus. Okay? So I'm going to read here to verse 31, and that's kind of where I want to camp out. So verse 28 to 31. John says, you yourselves bear witness of me. Basically, you remember what I said, that I said I am not the Christ. 
I am not the Messiah. I'm just John the Baptist. Okay? But I am sent before Him. I am sent to proclaim Him, basically. He who, ha- who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, John speaking of himself, which stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore is fulfilled. He must increase and I must decrease. He who comes from above is, from ab- is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. So, John here is very quick to explain or to say or to to make a note of the fact that John is not on the same level as Jesus. There is no comparison in John's mind, which is true, by the way, between John the Baptist and Jesus, right? See, here's the thing. John himself, the Baptist, was prophesied over and prophesied about. If we look back in Luke chapter 1, verse 15, okay, if we go there, go there with me real quick. Luke 1, 15. Uh, yeah, sure. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Amen. So... John's prophesied over. This is who John is going to be. This is a word from the Lord about John, okay, and who he is going to be. So then, but then, you see, but then, if you look at verse 16, even though this is all said about John, who John is, there's a purpose for it, okay? So go ahead, read 16 for me, John. Verse 16. Yep, hold on. And many of the children of Israel shall be Turned shall he turn to the Lord their God. Thank you, John. So, John has this prophecy, right? He's got this life that he's supposed to live, right? John is an important figure in the Bible. The, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, that John the Baptist, there's no greater man born among women except for John the Baptist, right? But here's the thing. Even as John is the greatest born among women, John's life is still directly pointed to Jesus. Okay? If you look in verse 16, his job in all of his anointing is still going to be to bear witness of Christ. Okay? And this is the truth for all ministers of the Old Testament and the New and the New Covenant. Okay? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul explains this very, very well in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because these Corinthians, man, they were they were struggling. They were struggling with this idea of falling under the authority of Christ. Okay? Chapter 3, and I'm going to read from verse 4 to 11. Okay? So, here's what Paul said. He said, For while one said... I'm sorry, y'all aren't there yet. Let me wait. Alright. He said... This is what Paul said to the Corinthians. He said, For while one said, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? So, this is kind of like a weird King James language. What he's saying is, is one person is saying, I fall under the authority of Paul. And another is saying, I fall under the authority of Apollos. And Paul is rebuking them. He's saying, are you not fleshly? Are you not bodily for doing this? You have a lack of spiritual understanding. Okay, so let's keep reading. He says, who then is Paul? 
Who is Apollos? Who are they? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Okay? Paul's saying, who are we? Just people that preached you the gospel that you now believe in. Okay? He says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he who plants anything, neither he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, unified. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and other builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. Here's the important part. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that has been laid, which is Christ Jesus. Understand this now. This is kind of what John is saying here. John the Baptist. He is saying that I am just a voice in the wilderness. Isaiah 43, another prophecy about John. He said this back in John chapter 1. I am just a voice to point you to Jesus. He's your foundation, just like Paul just said. He is the foundation that no man can remove, right? And so this has been a heart cry of mine, or something that's really been on my heart since I really got saved, you know, because there's so many preachers today. Like, there's just so many that are building these churches and they're building these congregations, but they're building it on themselves. They're building it on their pride. They're building it on my ministry. They're building it on, you know, my great preaching, right? And you can do that, so to speak. You can actually be, in the world's eyes, very successful doing that. But you're not saving anybody. (laughs) You're not giving anybody the gospel by doing that. Only Jesus can do that. And John understood that. John understood that his work and his ministry and his anointing was all to bring people to the light of Jesus Christ. That was his purpose, right? And as ministers, we have to understand that. We have to understand that what we're doing and what God has given us is all for a purpose. And that purpose is to direct people to Jesus, not to ourselves. Because that's what the world wants to do is to take you away from Jesus. It wants to direct your eyes away from Jesus to men, you know, to people. You know, it, it's, it's, it's really scary because it can happen really fast. And that's what these Pharisees are trying to bait John into doing. They're trying to bait John into validating himself above Jesus because John's the Baptist. John the Baptist, like that's what we call him. He's like, Jesus, he's like, Jesus stepping on your territory. He's infringing upon your ministry. You're the Baptist guy. And John's like, hang on, a time out. <laughs> Let, let's rewind a little bit here. My baptism was not so people would think I'm an awesome baptizer. It wasn't because I wanted people to know that I could dunk them in the water. You see, repentance without Christ at the cross leads to nothing. I mean, you could repent all day long, but unless Jesus died for your sins, you're not forgiven, (laughs) unfortunately. Unless Jesus died for your sins, there is no payment for your sin. And so John's saying, everything that I've done has been to give you a way to uh, the steps in the full, to get to him, right? Yeah. I mean, Jesus is the beginning, end, middle, alpha, omega. Jesus is everything that we build our life on as Christians. Look at. Let's go to Colossians real quick. It talks about this. Colossians uh, chapter one. 
verse 15 through 19. Paul talks about this again because this is so important. Yeah. Um, 1, 15 through 19. If you get there before me, you go right on ahead. Who is the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Thank you, John. You see, as John says here in John chapter 3, that which is earthly is from the earth, but that which is heavenly is above all. Jesus is not like us, man. He's just not. I mean, I could stand up here and give the best 30-minute sermon of all time, which probably will never happen, but I could. And unless I'm pointing you to Jesus, it's not going to build anything. Jesus says in, in John chapter 15, in me you can bear much fruit, but without me you can do nothing. Because Christ is the fullness of God in our lives. He is the Sustain, he is the, the foundation. He is the vineyard. He is the, the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Like without Him, all we speak is vain words. Unfortunately, with, if I'm not directing you to Jesus, then I'm not leading you anywhere. I'm leading you into a ditch, and I'm not leading you anywhere. You know, Jesus is the whole Bible. Just gives, just like this, this arrow. <laughs> it's like this arrow to Jesus. Like Abraham, Genesis chapter 17, Jesus. 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 12 through 17, Jesus. Isaiah 11.1, 1, Jesus. Go read those scriptures. Go read them. I mean, I, we can read them right now, but we don't have much time, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but this whole thing is built on Jesus. And, and it, like, I know you know this, right? I know you know this if you've been walking with Christ for a while. I know you understand this. But it's so easy for us to look at these anointed preachers or these anointed prophets, and we start saying, man, that man's got it going on, right? Like, that guy has totally got it. You know, I need to follow that guy. Wrong. You need to follow Jesus. Because if you really got to know that person, you'd understand that they're insufficient. You under, you'd understand that those people in and of themselves have, don't have anything, just like you. They're just like you, your brothers and sisters. Turn with me to uh, Matthew real quick. Uh, Matthew... Um, chapter 23, verses eight, verse 8. Jesus lays it out pretty clear of how we're supposed to see each other. It's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. Jesus says in Matthew 23, 8, He says, um, okay, let me read verse 7 first. This is talking about the Pharisees. He says, And greetings in the market to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. So Pharisees loved to be greeting in the market called teacher, teacher. Like they wanted to be the number one. Like they wanted people to see them and recognize their authority, basically. They wanted to be lofted of men. But Jesus says in verse 8, But you are not to be called rabbi, for one is your master. And even Christ, who he's talking about, he said, I am your master, the only one. And all of you are brothers. So, and sisters. <laughs> what Jesus is saying is like, look, don't get so caught up in lofting yourselves up. 
But that's a message to us too. The, the followers of the, uh, or, you know, we're under the discipleship of somebody, is to say that person is still your brother. You know, Paul would always address people in his letters as brethren. Not disciples, not students, brethren. Because they're his brothers. And he recognized that everything that he was giving them had to come from Jesus. Because if it didn't, it was just Paul talking. <laughs> he was just becoming a Pharisee again. There's nothing in that. And so, the point I'm trying to make, you know, and I, I think I've made it, you know, enough, but the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, there's, there's going to be these really charismatic preachers in your life. I mean, there's going to be people, you know, on Facebook, you know, you see them on YouTube, who are doing awesome things for God, right? But it's our responsibility as sheep of Christ to understand that those people are no different than us. They're not the one you're supposed to follow. They're not the one. You know, they're not. And we can get so critical, even on the other end of that, we can get so critical of pastors and preachers because they have faults. And we can expect them to be Christ. We can expect them to be perfect. We can expect them to have these lofty you know, lives that are just so holy and so set apart and so righteous that like they've never sinned ever. You know what I mean? I, you see it. You see it. You know, somebody tells a lie, that means their ministry's not valid. <laughs> somebody gets caught in like a sin, you know, or something like that. They, they stumble, they fall. Their ministry's not valid. They're not from the Lord. They're from the devil. You know what I mean? But you've got to really understand something, you know, as a Christian. We've got to remember that Jesus is the only one who ever did anything real, you know, in this world. Like, he's the only one who ever really accomplished anything for God. He's the only one who's ever been called God's son. He's the only one who ever really pleased God. You know, Isaiah chapter 64 tells us that. Uh, Romans chapter 3 tells us that too, you know. So my encouragement, I guess, and I, and I don't know if it's necessarily an encouragement, but, you know, it's more of an admonishment, is to keep yourself in check when it comes to seeing great ministers and great prophets and pastors and preachers of great anointing, right? To remember where that anointing is coming from and to remember that they're your brothers, not your teachers, okay? Because you've got to really check yourself when you listen to certain people, you know? You've got to really check yourself when you hear certain things because if you just blindly follow anything anybody says, it can hurt your faith. Because when they start disappointing you, you know, and they start falling short, and they start, you know, not being perfect, and they hurt your feelings, you can say, well, why, Lord? You know what I mean? You must not, what's going on? You know, you look at God, and you're like, what's going on? You know, this, this guy's not perfect. This guy's not who he says he is. Yes, he is. He's just a brother. <laughs> he never claimed, you know, if he never claimed to be, Christ, and he's not Christ. And that's what John's saying. He's like, I've never claimed to be Christ, and I'm not. I'm not. And John had his own moments. Remember that too. As great as John was, John had to send to Jesus and said, should we wait? Are you the one, or should we wait for another? Like, even John's faith got sh shook in it. He was the greatest born among women, right? No man can ever equal up to Jesus. No man will ever equal up to Jesus. Jesus wants to be your Lord of your life. I'm not trying to tell you you don't need preachers. Because you do. God works through preachers. Jesus will speak through preachers. And He will speak into your life. That's not my point. My point is to be careful. My point is to be vigilant. My point is to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And if you can do that, then you'll have many brothers in Christ. And your ministry won't be about you. And your ministry will be powerful because it's not about you. It's about Jesus.
And so that's my encouragement to you all today, admonishment, so to speak. And and um, forgive me if I hammer this point home too hard, but it's just been a heart cry of mine for a while. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see you all uh, again tomorrow. Maybe Betty or Rick will teach, but um, God bless you, and I hope you have a phenomenal day.